The Recovery First podcast is a podcast that helps highlight local initiatives in Greenville, South Carolina, and as well as on a national stage in the recovery communities. Here you will hear a wider range of topics surrounding addiction, recovery, and amazing advocates helping to make a difference in the recovery space. If you or a loved one are struggling with substance use disorder, please contact us today by calling 864-787-3798 or by visiting www.freedomrecoverycenterofgreenville.org. Now let's get ready to hear another amazing podcast with your host, Mike Todd. All right, welcome everyone to the Recovery First Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Todd. Um, Tonight we've got a great show. We've got D.H. He grew up on the Cherokee Reservation and picked up the first white chip in what is now the Carolina region of N.A. We are live in Ascom Studios in Greenville, South Carolina tonight. This show is brought to you by the South Carolina Recovery Housing Association. They have gotten out a little over 800 plus units of naloxone kits to housing and recovery housing statewide in South Carolina. A little bit about Freedom Recovery Center. Um, it's, a re- it's the Recovery First program is an initiative and community program in Greenville, South Carolina, supporting those who suffer from substance use disorder by providing access to treatment, recovery services, and permanent housing. All right, we've got some local events coming up. The second annual Jessica's Walk for Overdose will be on Friday, August 27th. We will meet at Pizza Bergamo in downtown Greenville and walk to Falls Park. I'll be there with my bullhorn. Last year, we had about 100 people, a little over 100 people, and it looks like we've got that many that are going to show up this year. We want to thank the Step family for organizing this event. Uh, Favor Mini Golf will be on Sunday, August 15th at 6 p.m. For more details, contact Michael Crouch or Lee Huckins with Favor Oconee County. That number is 864-280-5579. Our friends at the Catawba Nation will be having a recovery event in September. It's the Catawba River Ramble for Recovery, September 11th. It starts at 8 a.m. This is a kayak race, so shout out to all the recovery warriors with the Catawba Nation. The Jesse May Harm Reduction Bus uh, will be moving in lo- uh, to a new location. As a matter of fact, they were there last week. They'll be there again Friday. They'll be at the old Save More parking lot off Wade Hampton Boulevard. Uh, that's near the Motel 6 area. It's from 5 to 7 on Friday. They will be out there giving out naloxone, clean syringes, and spreading love, dignity, and the message of recovery all throughout the community. Also, the Upstate Recovery Coalition 
will be hosting a recovery festival and concert at the Charles E. Shipman Center in Greenville between 3 and 7. That's on 975 Foothills Road. We'll keep you updated on that. So we're here tonight with D.H. He's one of my favorite people to talk to about the days of N.A. getting started in North and South Carolina. It's now known as the Carolina region. He also grew up on the Cherokee Reservation. So we're here with D.H. And I don't know what to say. He is one of my favorite people uh, to talk to. Um, It seems like every time I talk to him, I just kind of learn something new about history or recovery or something and he's sitting across the table from me you mean so much to me and um so we're going to talk about the days of na getting started in north and south carolina Um, that's now known as the carolinas region he also grew up on the cherokee reservation so d how yes, are you? <laughs> I'm fine. How you doing? You're looking good, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Do I owe any owe any money for that compliment? Or? Not at all. Okay. Not at all. And you know, um, I know I, I know you're okay with me saying this. You've had some health issues, and yeah, that's true. and you know, when we had when we had COVID and everything going on, I, I would call you and make sure that you were you were being safe. And I will always appreciate that. Yeah. Um, it's good to have you. It's, it's good to be here. It's good to see you again. Yeah. I've been wanting to do this for a long time, um, just like to document. And, you know, we started this podcast, and one of the things we do is we like have people on that have done things for the community. And you have done a lot for a lot of people. And I know you, I mean, you don't talk about it or... You know, it's just you have done so much. A lot of what you've done is you've made us laugh. You have made us laugh at times that we didn't we didn't feel like laughing. You know, life just seemed real bleak for a lot of us. But um, you you kept that coming, to, you know, for us. So, but anyway, so what was it like growing up for you? Uh, uh, let me respond real quick before answering that question. Is that, uh, uh, I'll just make a comment on what you just said. In that, yeah. uh, I believe that humor is very healing in recovery. Yeah. And uh, I, I know that in in recovery, you know, they talk about H-A-L-T, don't get too hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. And they came back and they added the S on the end of it, meaning don't get too serious. Yeah. And I think that's important, too, because I think people can get so... Uh, um, uh, they just need to loosen up, you know, and yeah. just let and and just go with the, with the flow with recovery, whatever, you know. I mean, we get uh, uh, it's amazing how we can, some people can come in here and they can just uh, they work their way out of the program because they just don't allow themselves to uh, 
to relax and enjoy recovery, whatever. You know, they, they think recovery is a job. It's something you've got to work <laughs> at. It's got to, I mean, in, in the sense that it's, you know, yeah. it's got to be so serious that nobody can crack a smile because if you crack a smile, then uh, someone's going to assume that you're not taking recovery seriously, yeah. which is, uh, you know, of course not true. And what's your question again? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, it's okay. I appreciate you talking about that because, I, heck, I'm going to elaborate on that just a little bit because you have been you have kind of been a guiding force with that i mean even like with me you know and and with with a lot of people i mean you've taught us how to not take stuff so seriously but no the question was and and you know we're going to be all over the place because sure. that's just me and you but what was it like growing up for you on the reservation. On the uh, reservation. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I can go back um, as far as the res goes. I can go back a uh, pretty well document at least seven generations back on uh, as as far as uh, the reservation and the uh, the um, eastern band Cherokee blood in the, in yeah. the family or whatever. And uh, it was like, uh, but growing up, it was. Um, and I was born in 1955, or whatever. So. Uh, when I was a child on the res or whatever, it was like being in a third world country in a lot of ways. And uh, I mean, there was, um, uh, it was just, um, it, it, uh, it was very poor, you know. I mean, I always, you know, I hear people say, well, the Cherokee, the Eastern Band Cherokee were a lot better off than other tribes financially or whatever else. But uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, it was a lot of very poor people or whatever, you know. And, uh, and my family among them, it's like, uh, um, I lived as a child with my great-grandfather, I mean, for a year. I think one of the most memorable experiences I have in reference to the res is living with my great-grandfather, and I lived, my mother left me with him when I was in the second grade to, in order to have some exposure to him and uh, 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 to have, have a male figure in, in, in my life or whatever because my father wasn't around. Yeah, And uh, he had a... Um, uh, an outhouse, <laughs> and uh, he had no indoor plumbing. He had a, a spring in the back of a, a cabin, a cabin that he built himself uh, that we lived in. It was a three-room cabin. Uh, he later added on, uh, uh, I mean, the, the, well, there was a kitchen in the back. That made the third room, whatever. But this, uh, uh, he built this cabin himself, had no, uh, the only electricity we had in there was, uh, he had like a, a, a light bulb in the living room. And I think he did have one plug-in for uh, like this old radio, this wooden, it had a wooden outer casing and had these giant bulbs. So the back of it was open and had these giant bulbs in it. And I remember that as a child or whatever else. But he lived on top of a mountain and where, where he lived at, I could step into the front yard and I could look down and, and see and hear the Oconalufti River, which runs through the reservation. and. Uh, uh, I think some of my, uh, my all-time favorite memories of uh, Cherokee and, 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 and the res and growing up on the res or whatever is uh, when I lived with him. And uh, I just, you know, I lo he was a uh, really unique person in that he was born in uh, 1876. So he was uh, very, he was old when, uh, when I was, uh, you know, as a child when I moved in with him or whatever, but... He was a very strong, physically strong man for his age and all. And he would, what I loved was he would sit down, and I think that's where I took some early interest in the history of 
of various things or whatever. Mm. And he would talk about uh, what it was like in the 1800s on the reservation. And he would talk about, um, um, I remember one story in particular where he talked about he saw when he saw his first car tracks and how it scared him to death because he thought it was like where two two big snakes had been crawling. He said, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, uh, but he was also a uh, you know addiction. I mean, we, we uh, it's yeah. not just the uh, the whole lifestyle has gone down through the generations as well because he was a, uh, a moonshiner and he had served uh, federal time after being busted for uh, for making moonshine and also one of my. Uh, grandparents was a, a bootlegger i remember that i don't remember my great-grandfather being a moonshiner because that was long before i was born but one of my one of my grandparents was a bootlegger or whatever and um, um uh it was just that whole um lifestyle that the uh, uh, the um uh Distribution of things that don't need to be distributed, <laughs> right? <laughs> was uh, was uh, you know common fire on uh, on the res or whatever. There were a lot of a lot of bootleggers when I was a kid on the res or whatever, and that's uh, you know, and I have uh, memories of uh, you know who are being taken to with a male member to the you know some of these bootleggers and, and you know and hanging out or whatever, and listening to them sit around and just tell stories. Uh, about the res and about each other and and uh, going back and forth between uh, English and Cherokee, you know, so. Yeah, so, but it, but, and that kind of, like, brings me to something as I, as I listen to you talk. There was not a lot of economic advantages in Cherokee on the reservation. And do you, no. do you and, 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 and it's like you said, they, they resorted to, you know, moonshining and doing things like and and and, and do you and you're I'm, it's probably a dumb question, but that really brought a lot of people to addiction to substance use disorder, right? Because because yeah. let me let me just run this by you. So when I was a kid, right. when I was a little kid. Yeah. One of my, one of the places that my aunt and my mom would take us almost every summer was to Maggie Valley. I had some people out there, yeah. but we'd go to Cherokee. Right. And looking, I used to think it was just the coolest place in the world. I mean, oh my God, we're going to Cherokee. But now looking at it, I'm like, man, there was not a lot for y'all. I mean, you know, it, as a little kid, I think it's kind of cool to watch you know, an Indian dance. Yeah. But when you think about it, maybe it wasn't so cool, right? I mean, there just, there wasn't a lot for you. There wasn't much for you guys there. And so you guys were very susceptible. Is, is that, is that, is that a pretty good analogy? Yeah. You touched on something for me that triggered a thought or whatever. As far as uh, like, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you don't, you don't see it that much anymore, but you, uh, you, you, uh, when tourists would come into Cherokee or whatever, they'd see the guys yeah. dancing in, uh, in native costumes. And, uh, of course, a lot of times um, these native costumes were not Cherokee. They were like Plains, uh, you know, tribes or whatever. This did I mean, not they, come from the were, Cherokee. They were not. It, they, it, it, the headdress was not a Cherokee headdress. So like, you were, you yeah, guys so, were playing us. Is so that what I, you're saying? <laughs> so, and these, I love yeah, it, man. And these guys, guys were, they were out there doing this uh 
for money because they had to have that's you know, right i mean i hear people now they'll say oh well but they weren't native costumes they were like you know doing it yeah they were doing it for money they had to make a living i mean they that's had right to, they had to pay their bills they had families and uh and uh, uh, there was uh, uh, the job opportunities were so extremely limited that uh, there was, like you said, I mean there wasn't, there were very few options available or whatever. So I, I can't, uh, you know, I was talking with someone about this other day, and I told them, I said, hey, look, I can't judge somebody for this. Mm-hmm. I mean, because this this person was like, oh, traditional this and traditional that, and yeah, but this is not this and this is not that. And I said, uh, hey, look, you know. People were doing what they needed to do in order to survive. Yeah, you know. And, yeah, uh, and, and 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 we 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 were. I guess I can say we as white people were loading up in our station wagons and going up there and thinking, "Oh, this is cool," you know, and buying a pair. Of, but like I said, looking back, it's like, oh, you know. And I I, I go through there today, and it 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 it's really not. It's it's just I don't know. It's not that entertaining to me. You know, I, 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 especially getting to know you on the level that I know you and to, to learn about the reservation and a little bit about the Cherokees. It's like, you know, I, I, I don't think that people need to be dancing on corners for money. Right. I mean, it's just anyway, that's just right. that's just how I feel. And I, and, and I think you feel that way, too, when we talk. Yeah. And, and but and so you grew up out there and and then you're gonna have to kind of guide me through this so you came off of the reservation and you came into living in communities right yeah did did you come from the reservation to greenville oh was that your first yes we came uh we had been living off the well you want to say off my uh mile or two off the reservation but no we had uh we we had were living uh, very close to the reservation uh when we came down here whatever when we moved yeah. down here and that's why and once again the, the the job opportunity thing is the reason that my mother relocated to greenville right and because my mother and father had divorced when i was six years old um you know my father was a, 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 a functional addict in a lot of ways whatever he was uh, he was addicted to alcohol and uh um uh you know my both my uh, uh Father and uh, mother, whatever. By the way, are uh, are part Cherokee, and uh, and uh, both of them are part uh, Scott Irish or whatever. Because mm. it was a lot of the Scott Scott Irish that migrated to the Appalachians. That uh, they were the ones, they were the primary ones that, that mingled and mixed and and uh, 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 with the uh, with the Cherokee or whatever. So so he was, uh, but he was the thing about it is my father. I mean, even though he he was just so much like a lot of the other guys on the res, but he hated the res. I mean, he, <laughs> he, did, he, he really. Didn't, he would not tell nobody that that's where we were from or that's where we lived. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was there. There was a stigma behind it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. you, oh, you yeah. you're from the res. You must, yeah. you know, you must be one of them drunk. You know, it, I, yeah. I, you know. But I'm glad you made it to Greenville. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, it's definitely different. Different culture. Different. Did you start? I mean. I mean, and I know you speak openly. Like, did your addiction start? It started in Cherokee, though, right? And then you. My, yeah, my first. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, it wasn't until after I'd come into meetings that I heard the term addictive personality. And I firmly believe I have. I mean, that just the light went off for me there. When I, when I first come to meetings, people saying addict didn't really 
uh, I thought, well, I guess you are. That's that was my thinking. I guess you are, you know. Yeah. But uh, uh, when I heard the term addictive personality, I thought that's me. That uh, that's me. And uh, I, I think that uh, mine really kicked in and very. You know, I think I was obsessive compulsive in a lot of different areas in a lot of different ways, uh, long be- long before I ever got into to drugs or whatever. And uh, but I do remember my mother take me. Uh, uh, you know, I had. Uh, upset stomach and take me to the drugstore in Bryson City, North Carolina, which is right outside yep. the rest, and taking and getting a substance called paragoric, which is, uh, uh, you know, which they, <laughs> <laughs> what is that? It's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a opiate derivative. It's a, oh, boy. It's really, it's a, it would, uh, um, uh, <laughs> I, I just don't even see how it was legal back then or whatever, but you'd go in and get it without a prescription or whatever, and it was like a dark brown bottle and it kind of had a i'll never forget this today even today i uh, never forget the taste where it had kind of like a i like the taste of, uh, like a licorice taste to it or whatever else but i have on my facebook page posted pictures of the of the bottles the way they looked back then with the paragoric and everything it was amazing how people my age and older would would come forward and say oh wow i really remember that and i remember oh, oh my god I, I forgot about that you know i mean so uh do you think that was your first? I, I, mean, I don't. Do you think uh, that? I mean, I, I mean, is that what got you? You definitely. I mean, you I mean, definitely. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's like. Um, I don't. I don't know. If it's like the very first thing that ever. I mean, uh, as far as triggering it or whatever. I do. What sticks out in my mind is drinking, getting drunk at the age of nine. Yeah. Uh, uh, my aunts were babysitting and. Uh, and I and I and uh, I got drunk on beer, whatever else, at age nine, whatever. And they were they were gonna uh, rat on me. They were gonna tell my my mother was working two jobs, two uh, in order to pay the bills and everything. It's like when when your mom comes back, we're gonna tell her what you because they were they were having their friends in, and I was like stealing the beer, or whatever, and drinking it, going in the other room, drinking it, or whatever. And uh, and I said, well, you know, if you you tell on me, I'm gonna tell my mother y'all had a party. While she was yeah. telling her, so I blackmailed, basically blackmailed, and got away with it, whatever. <laughs> so so that, I was drinking liquor by the time I was thirteen, yeah, smoking it, pot by the time I was sixteen, you know. And that led to like walking, like walking down the road with those bell-bottom pants. Yeah, I was. Well, that was later. Yeah, when I moved here, this was in 1971 and two. That you know, everybody talks about 1969, but the thing about it is, 1969 did not reach South Carolina until the summer of '72. You know, that was that was that. Uh, that and uh, I had at that time in 1972 had these. Bell-bottom pants with all these different color swirls in them. It looked like more like puke, really. And it's like, and they <laughs> right. had like uh, you know, these huge uh, uh, crushed velvet, blue crushed velvet cuffs at the bottom of them. Two-tone patent leather uh, uh, stacks that I wore or whatever. Uh, and you would walk thing. down the road And I'd have this, this uh, musketeer-looking blousy uh, top with, you know, hair down my back or whatever else. Yeah, I went through that stage. I sure did. Yeah. Yeah, drove a nineteen seventy-two. I think it was a seventy-two Pinto. But for a while you didn't drive, though. You ended up having to walk or something in the bell-bottom pants. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lost like your car, lost your the, license. This, this I was really an oddity, I guess, at that time in Pickens County. We're living in Pickens County at that time, living in Davisville, and a lot of people like they just didn't, especially the older people, didn't really. Appreciate didn't, didn't, this. Uh, yeah, attire. that was kind of yeah. Mm-hmm, it's like yeah, he's weird. He's different. Yeah, but yeah. So when did you kind of realize though that I got to do something different? Like 
I don't know. How did well, how did how did I re- hit my bottom? Yeah, if you want to if you want to say it that way. Okay, I mean, or when did or what, it was yeah. like an awakening for me. It's like an awareness, I guess, would be the proper word or whatever it was in uh, um, January the thirteenth of nineteen eighty. I mean, you know, the funny thing about it is, 19. I've gone through stages where I had stayed clean before different, you know, but I, I done different things. It's like I tried the, you know, the educational cure. Went to school for a while, yeah. stayed clean, and then I ended up going back, and then I had got into a diving accident or whatever, and ended up in the hospital. Ended up using again where it's like. Uh, uh, the you know religious cure went to church and uh, you know and I'm I'm not by no means saying that th- these uh, uh, you know I, I feel like whatever reason you stay clean is a good reason if you're staying clean and uh, but uh, uh, I had tried a lot of different things and uh, but uh, I I, I, you know, I really had emotionally sunk to an all-time low January 13th 1980 and I just basically told god uh it's like hey look i i i just this is uh i have a really bad feeling about this i just an impending sense of doom i had been locked up before uh never served any time uh uh and i'm not saying that i shouldn't have but um uh i had uh i was living in uh behind uh Furman university's golf course at that time and uh, i just uh, uh prayed about it and then after I got through praying, I got scared because I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought, well, okay, you made this decision to change your life. I mean, you want to change your life. You want God to help change your life, whatever. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, how's that going to happen? I mean, it's like, uh, oh. how, how am I going to? And uh, and I, I feel today like God answered that prayer because the following day, a guy that I, a Vietnam vet I used to use drugs with for a number of years on the weekend came to my house and he said, hey, look, I just... Uh, uh, your ne- next door neighbor uh, I'm friends with, and uh, he said they were, the police were here yesterday, and I was wondering what happened, you know, and I would not seen this guy in a long time, and uh, I said, well, yeah, they were here. I said, I was having my uncle and my brother kicked out of my house because they were doing drugs in my house, and they were, like, trying to sell drugs to other people out of my house, and uh, uh, I said, and I, uh, I've decided, you know, I, I can't live that lifestyle no more. Uh, that's not, uh, you know... I need to clean up my act or whatever. I, I just have this overwhelming, uh, impending sense of doom, and uh, something's got to change here or whatever. And he said, wow, it's amazing that you said that because your friend and I, the reason I was over here, over at his house was he and I just got out of the uh, treatment, out of rehab down in uh, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, whatever, and uh, uh, he said, uh, we're uh, getting ready to uh, go to this recovery meeting or whatever. And I said, really? That's I said, what's that? I mean, I, and I still didn't quite understand what he's talking about. And he said, Narcotics Anonymous. And like so many people, I understood the word narcotics, but I didn't understand the word anonymous. I, you know, and I said, where's this, well, where's this at, man? It's like, and he said, oh, it's at uh, MIP, uh, Marshall Pickett's or whatever, they, uh, where they do the outpatient counseling services. And I said, okay. I said, oh, I, hey, I can deal with that. I've been there before, I, you know. And I had been because I had been disruptive in school here or whatever. And uh, they ended up, uh, I was mandated. Uh, I had to go for counseling there as a, as a teenager. So you knew how to get there. Because I, I would get up and just walk out of class. And, I mean, I wasn't old enough to quit school or anything like that. And they just, you know, I'd get up in the middle of the class and pack my books. It's like, it's time to go home. <laughs> and I did see me walking across the field, you know, toward the house. And so they just really thought, something's wrong with him we need you know so then uh, uh and they went uh i guess the 
whoever it was, to an officer, whoever was involved with it, went. I mean, they talked to my mother and said, look, Lee, you got to do something. Well, he's got to be in school. And uh, But they mandated me. Uh, I had to go out there for outpatient counseling. And uh, it had been, uh, uh, that was when I was, uh, oh, about 14, 13, 14 years old. And uh, uh, so that was at 14. And, uh, and then I overdosed at 16 and ended up in their, uh, in the back back there where they have the uh, the the inpatient the the lock unit or whatever else I was back there for a week one time as a drug overdose at uh, I was fifteen or sixteen fifteen sixteen and, you're uh, over, you overdosed yeah 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 wow yeah. I overdosed uh, uh, and uh, um, uh, they thought it was a suicide attempt or whatever and and it might have been to a certain extent where but it was me just wanting to to block everything out to just you know. Uh, I just uh, reached that point where I felt like I had to have some kind of relief, and I just couldn't get high enough to get it, you know. So I ended up overdoing it, you know. But you know, D, when, when you talk, but when you talk about when you reach that point and you're asking God for help, it wasn't like, well, there's. I mean, you maybe thought there were treatment centers. I mean, yeah. there I wasn't. There, there, there wasn't. This was nineteen. There wasn't was much. 19, for, yeah, nineteen eighty. Right, there's right. not. There's not anything right. yeah. for people who are suffering from substance use disorder. We call it or addiction right. or whatever it was. Right. You were just like, God, help me. And all of a sudden, these guys come and say, "Well, there's these meetings." Yeah, and you were like, "Oh," and and I know where Marshall Pickens is, and that brings me. To what would you like? Tell us a little bit about NA in Greenville back then, and and like where did it come from? Like how? Like I know it was just it just kind of like organically sprouted up, kind of right. sorta. I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's like. Uh, uh, well, I mean, people talk about coincidence, and I just I don't I, you know I, I think it was I just feel like it was divine intervention that. Uh, that I was invited to my first meeting within 24 hours, but another quote-unquote coincidence was when they took me to that meeting, I didn't realize it at the time, but that was the, uh, I, I was later told, uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, by uh, others that, uh, that, you know, this is, after I got to, this is the very first, it was the very first NA meeting in what is now known the Carolina region, the North and South Carolina, whatever, and it came about as a result of a, uh, Psychiatrist that uh, worked uh, 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 with mental health and mental health here, or whatever, who had uh, uh, felt the need that uh, for an NA meeting here, and I don't know, I don't know exactly how he found. Well, I do know how he found out about NA. He was in Atlanta, and the uh, okay. a guy by the name of Ron R was doing a, a little. Uh, they they had this recovery thing going on where all these different people had their booths and everything. Uh, letting the public know what they were about and all, and Ron R was doing a PI thing, public information thing for NA or whatever. And this guy said, "Hey, look, I think we need this in Greenville, or whatever. And if you're willing to uh, relocate to Greenville, I'll give you a place to stay, food to eat, you can drive my car, whatever I can do for you to help you out." That's how strongly I feel that we need an NA meeting in uh, in Greenville. So, so, so. A guy by the name of Ron R. brought it from Atlanta. Right. Because, okay, and we talked about this the other day. Of course, it started, right. Narcotics Anonymous started in California. 
Originally, right? yeah. Originally started yeah. in California yeah. by, yeah, by when we Sun were Sun Valley, California. Sun yeah. Valley, California. Somehow it got to Texas. I th- yeah. And then. That's what I've been told. And, yeah. then, and then the way that it got to the East Coast was via Atlanta. And my understanding is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it was they, they brought it to a treatment center there. A guy by the name of Motorcycle Ed was involved with that. And then that and then this guy brought it from Atlanta along with another gentleman that we we know, right? Yeah. I from mean, what I've been told is there was a lady in Texas that uh 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 the lady who worked in the field in Atlanta who was in recovery, uh uh Pat S had been in contact with her and she uh uh, 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 Pat had been involved uh, in, in AA or whatever, but it was told by this lady about NA, and and she said, wow, you know, it's like uh, we need that here or whatever. So Pat then started NA in Atlanta. Her and her yeah. husband, Chuck, were the first two, and then uh, a guy by the name of Boas, hmm. and then uh, 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 a few members later, then it came to a motorcycle ed that you yeah. were talking about. Yeah. And uh, so this, but this guy who came up here, he only, he'd only been clean a year. Okay. He, he relocated From here. Atlanta. From Atlanta. Ron, yeah. Yeah. So the very first meeting in, 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 of, of Narcotics Anonymous was actually at Marshall Pickens. Yeah. The first, okay. Yeah. And what year was that? 1980. That, that was in uh, January the 14th of 1980. <laughs> you know the date? January 14th? Because that was also my first meeting. Oh, no wonder you know. That's and right. Is, is that where you picked up a white chip? Yeah, that's correct. But was, right. We were talking about that earlier, yeah, there was At that time, there was no official... Uh, <laughs> Narcotics Anonymous had no official chips of their own like uh, uh, like AA did or whatever. And uh, so we had we had poker chips they give out. So they gave me a white poker they chip. They gave you a white poker. Do you that's still cool. have that? Yep. I know you do. Sure do. Yeah. I know you do. I've We've talked about I that. Lied. I have not seen yeah. it. Right. And I want to... I, I, it, I, it just like, says Hoyle on it. <laughs> it just says what? Hoyle. Yeah. <laughs> is that what I'm saying? Yeah. On the it's outside. just a white poker chip. Yeah, just chip. a white poker chip. Oh, that's my all God. Is, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and they were talking about the the subject topic was... That's funny. I just, you know, asked God for a way out. subject topic was God's way understand God. And I said, I was scared. I mean, come around, went around the circle one by one, got to me. I said, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I believe in God or not. Because I didn't know what I was in the middle of. I didn't, really didn't fully understand what these people were about. Yeah. All I knew is that during the meeting, they I heard this term addictive personality, and it was like bing, bing, bing. bing. Hey, whoa, that was that was me. it for that you. Was it, well, that was me. it. Yeah. yeah. That and the fact that I got there right before the meeting and run into a guy that I used to use with who was there at that meeting that I had not seen. There was a guy, the guy that took me to the meeting was a guy I used to use with, the guy that lived next door that he rode, we rode with to the meeting. Uh, he was uh, uh, someone that I used to work with. Uh, and uh, there was a guy there in the uh, back uh, uh, just prior to the meeting that I talked to or whatever that he used to use with. It was uh, it kind of helped me in the fact that I saw several people that, that I knew about prior to this first meeting, you know, people that I had gotten high with who were also, uh, they already had a little bit of clean time. I didn't. They had been hanging out at Marshall Pickens or whatever. Marshall Pickens says, hey, we're going to have this N.A. meeting or whatever. And then they brought you and I guess. The, and, and I was thinking about this as you were sharing. It was it's funny how you used to talk about 
when you first went to meetings, you thought they were talking about you because somebody just yeah. got out of detox <laughs> yeah. and then somebody else would be in denial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a, a friend of mine. He used to say, you know, addicts are very sensitive people. They are. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they're hypersensitive or whatever else and it's like you know you say five they hear ten right you know and, that's, right. and I did or whatever and then one person was talking about you know I just got out of D I didn't know what I never knew what treatment was didn't know what detox was didn't know what nothing was prior to coming in DNA or whatever all I knew is I'd prayed for a way out and apparently that prayer had been answered and it's like uh uh, but I'd hear one person said detox, and I heard like D E E detox, you know, and that's how and, I, and that's how my first name spelled D E E D like detox, <laughs> denial, you know, uh, uh, and, I, and all this stuff, and it's like anytime they you know they they say something start off the D word like I thought, well, are, these, are they stressing the vowels on purpose, you know, like because that's the way that people would do on the vacation on the on the res when we get loaded or whatever. It's like. The higher we got, the more the native people tend to stress their vowels. Yeah. You know, A, E, I, O, and U gets very long after a few drinks, you know, so yeah. Yeah. It's so true. But, it, you know, but it, it, it makes me think about, even in my personal recovery, it's amazing that when we become completely willing yeah. and we pray to pray to whatever, and I, and it, is, yeah. is it, it's amazing how everything came. Like there, look, think I want. I'm just wrapping my head around this. Yeah. You asked God for help. There was no Narcotics Anonymous. No. It wasn't like, you know, there, there. You didn't know where a treatment center was. You didn't. No. De, when it came to detox, you know, you thought they were talking about you. I yeah. thought they were stressing their vows uh, and looking over at me because they're trying to, you know, point me in that direction or something. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, but but when you said, "God, I need help," right? He sent you the first Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and we, you picked up the first chip and in what we now know as the first Narcotics Anonymous meeting in the Carolina region of North and South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was over 41 years ago. That'll be in January. If I'm still alive in January, that'll be 42 years. I'll celebrate 42 years in recovery. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it's been. And so, you know, we've taught. I, I sent Todd, our producer, a picture, and it was of you and Jimmy K. Okay. Did, did Jimmy K, I guess Jimmy K, and just for our audience, Jimmy K was the founder of Narcotics Anonymous, and that's correct. So, and so you say, did he have a kind of a play in bringing Narcotics Anonymous here? I mean, he knew it was happening, right? He, he was there for us. Yes, when we got started here, we uh, we didn't know really what to do or how to do uh, as far as getting it all down pat on doing whether we're doing the meeting correctly or not. Yeah, and we would call him. He was at World. He he was over the world the the, the office World Service office. And we would call him and talk to him. And if we didn't talk to him, we'd talk to Bob B., whose uh, story's in the I book. I remember Bob B. The only oh, meeting yeah. in the world. So, yeah. So, we would. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I was. Uh, I loved him to death. I thought, well, you know, if you go find out what this is really about, you need to go right to the top. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think the last year of his life or whatever, I talked to him uh, probably. I used to keep my phone bills. Like, cause I, and I kept them because I was making calls at that time. Uh, in reference to having him come out and speak at a convention on the reservation. This was in 1985, and this was the last place that he was scheduled, last convention 
that he was scheduled to speak at before he died. And he died uh, within... So, so when someone's like, you're like, we're having these meetings, and by this time, this is getting to be a lifeline for you. And, yeah. you, and you're like, we need to make sure we're doing this doggone thing right. That's correct. And so yeah. you, you got, you're beeline into Jimmy K. Right. The other guys were too. The other guys. Yeah, the other guys. And so... And so at this point, yeah. now it's time it's time to grow. Right. Right. And and so I guess we start I guess with Jimmy's guidance. Yeah. We start to talk about, okay, we got these things called home groups, right? Right. And so and we were talking about this a little bit. So you t- you're talking about a lot of passionate hard-headed people that won't that think they right right some let's just say this there's some strong personalities that are getting this thing off the ground absolutely absolutely <laughs> no so, doubt about it okay yeah. so so what were some of the first like what was maybe the first home group and what were some of the challenges within that as we started to kind of as, as well, some of the challenges were we didn't know what to vote on or where we didn't know we didn't know what was what was uh acceptable or what wasn't and just for uh um you know like we had talked uh um uh, earlier whatever we had we want to get everything in writing we had uh, we, we voted on stuff just so we'd have it in writing right. and then we could make it an official uh part of our, our quote-unquote group conscience and uh, so, uh, yeah, so they were things that we voted on back then simply because we didn't, uh, uh, we, we wanted to clear it up. Whereas today, it's ta- a lot of things that we vote on back then are today taken for granted. Nobody even gives it a second thought about voting on it. Right. What were some of the things that y'all, if you don't mind, what were some of the things that y'all had to, to vote on? One thing that we voted on was whether or not uh, a gay person could sit in the meeting. You know, it's like right, and it, uh, that wasn't done to shut nobody out. That was the, that was done in order to be inclusive, to wow. make it clear that we had it in the minutes that if you were gay, that if somebody come in, you know, and had a problem with it, they then that was their problem. You know, nice. And that was the same way with uh, we and we and, and we and some of the guys we sat around because there were very few women in and they at that okay. time. It's like, hey, how are we gonna deal with? What about when women start pouring in here? <laughs> how are we gonna deal with that? You know, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, and then. Uh, uh, um, uh, it's like how are we going to do what about because there was uh, uh, now there was one other native guy there when we first, first got started uh, cleaning green but there was no black people and how, right. so how are we going to do this you know how what are we going to do with that first guy that comes through the door the first black person it's like and, and what if they're looking for a, a, a black sponsor it's like how we right. gonna, how we go address it? How we go how we go meet their needs uh-huh. when they come in or whatever? How we go meet the needs of these fifth these younger people? Because back then the youth in recovery, if you you were if you were forty years <laughs> old, you were considered young in the meeting or something. Like yeah, that because uh, uh, you know a lot of these other people gone to other twelve step meetings where the average age was a lot older. Yeah, you know? and so it's like how we go how we go to meet the needs of a fifteen year old. So y'all were so. Y'all were, it was a lot about like diversity, inclusion. Like y'all, it, it, when, when, yeah. when you first started telling me that, yeah, we, we voted on whether, you know, homosexuals. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. 
Huh? I mean, I was kind of like, I was kind of taken back. Uh-huh. No, it's not that we, it's not that anybody was against that. Right. We wanted to make sure that they felt welcome. We wanted to make sure that no matter age, race, sexual identity, creed, lack of religion, whatever, that we wanted to build a big tent for everybody. Right. We wanted to make, we wanted as kind of the founders of the of the first meetings here, we yeah. wanted to make sure that everybody felt comfortable, that everybody felt included, that everybody got that hug. Right. And that's, it's amazing that that's that was such a priority for you guys. And another part of it was the uh, in in true anonymity, we were just going to say that when when we introduced ourselves, we were just going to say we were an addict. Because when we very first started, we go around the room. Some people say, "I'm a pothead. I'm yeah. a, I'm a junkie. I'm yeah. you know, I'm, I'm a yeah. speed freak. I'm a whatever." Wow. And it's like you know, and we had to just make get that dropped by the wayside and just have and say, "Okay, let's just be addicts." You know. Let's just and, be and, and and I know. And I know there's some controversy around even the addict term now, but y'all were like, no, we are we are one common entity. When you come in here, you know, it, it it's not about your age, race, any of that. It, it, right. you, you know, it was it was amazing the way that 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 y'all molded that. So the first home group was in the Carolina regions. In the Carolina region. Clean and Green. How did it get that name? Oh, uh, got that name because there were three of them uh, submitted. One of them was uh, Phoenix. The other one was Oasis and Clean and Green. And uh, Clean and Green won out. And how did it? And that was uh, the guy who submitted the name Clean and Green was a guy who had just got out of prison <laughs> by the name of JT, who had served five years in prison. And uh, he was there at a few meetings that first month. And really never saw him after that, but he was the one that submitted. He's the one that that submitted that. But we're all and, trying and to get clean. Going, clean and green. Why, what does that mean? Why do you say that? And he said, "Well, well, because we're all trying to get clean, and yet at the same time we're all green." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That meeting's still around, isn't it? That's correct. It is still around. Yeah. And you know what were like? What were some of the early challenges with service? Like, look. Were there a lot of like coffee pots and resentments? Well, there was uh, like I like said before, there was some there was some strong personalities. Like, and there was a thing about, uh, uh, but the thing about it is, in the early days, it was uh, you, you know we'd welcome people to a meeting and we're glad you're here and all that. But we were just like you know we were uh, 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 drafting people into service. I mean, so you come through the door, it's like yeah, okay, we're glad you're here, we're glad you're clean, and you know have a seat. But by the way, this month you're going to be making the coffee, you know. Right. Or, ne- or next month you're going to be setting out chairs. Or back then it was smoking, set out ashtrays. Uh, well, it was like a, it was almost like a, it was, it was taken for granted that if you came in, you're going to do service work too. And that's kind of faded by the, uh, with the increase in, in numbers in the fellowship, that's kind of fallen by the wayside to a certain degree. That was, when I first came in recovery, that was one of, that was my first job. Yeah. Was coffee maker. Yeah, and they, you know, and 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 I would be like, well, I don't, I don't want to go to a meeting today. Oh, damn! But I got to go make the coffee. Yeah. So there was a yeah. reason Absolutely. that my predecessors, such as yourself, okay, had me do that. Okay. Because it it, it you know or 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 um and back then we used to we <laughs> smoke in meetings, so we'd have to clean up ashtrays too. Yeah. So it was like. 
service was like yeah the first thing yeah and, and there and, and and i guess the coffee pots and resentments help to to create more home groups right because well, you ain't yeah. doing it right over yeah. here yeah. and you know i don't like you know you know the principles before per se thing all this stuff would happen and then all of a sudden it's like well i'm gonna get start like i know a dude that's he's he's started so many doggone meetings but and it's okay, you yeah, know, but yeah. did you, you saw a lot of that, huh? Yeah, yeah, there was a guy that started uh, another group. Uh, as a matter of fact, New Freedom was started as a uh, resentment toward me because <laughs> the guy had said, uh, uh, you know, I'm tired of people coming in here, uh, you know, wearing blue jeans and T-shirts and long hair or whatever else. Like, you know, we need to look more responsible. We need to look clean, he said. I know who this is. And it's like, uh, you know, and the thing about it is, uh, need when, to he, look more clean. when he started that first meeting, he, yeah. he started Our Lady of the Rosary down on Augusta Road. I went and got the coffee pot out of our home group and took that down there uh, to him. Extra coffee I gave him coffee, cups, or whatever else. I said, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and, and showed him that uh, that I was going to support him in that, even though even though uh, you know uh, he was uh, had a certain amount of animosity toward me or whatever. I felt that yeah, this uh, what I felt was this is great that we're having a we're growing. I did we're growing to have additional me yeah, because that was a big thing. I mean we we had really I mean we were uh, in order to get the word out and and then have uh, uh, for public information and everything we had people like Ron and me uh, Ron why everywhere we go he'd say uh, uh, I, I mean he was and, and if I was with him or another guy he'd say well, hey guess what we're recovering I, I, we'd, we'd be standing in the middle of a grocery store we went to a spa one time so y'all recruiting like tell, y'all yeah. are recruiting people Dude, you, you like, didn't know any better right? uh, uh, yes I I, mean, we, well we were sharing that we were uh, about the fellowship that we were in the fellowship in order that people would know because we're trying to get the word out and and we didn't have you know had very limited people as far as being able to get the word out but ron was just unreal i mean he was just like it was a place called european health spa and he would like hey i'm over there like on one of the machines trying to you know do improve myself physically or whatever and he's over there telling the instructor Guess what? I'm a drug addict. <laughs> and, we got, <laughs> but, but, and we got these meetings. And, but I'm in recovery, and we have these meetings. And if you know anybody that has a drug problem and they want to go to these meetings, you call me, and here's my phone number. You know? Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, used to, the meetings were so small that if you didn't show up, they would come looking for you. I had the, I remember missing, if you, the numbers were so small that if you missed a meeting, uh, you were missed. I mean, really, yeah. I mean, people. And I've I've had like there were only six radios in the meeting, and they come to my house, knock on the door, and it's like we come to get you. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I remember walking one time hitchhiking to a meeting in the rain, and I was sitting there. I was so embarrassed because I was sitting in the chair, and there was a puddle of water on the floor under me or whatever. And I was so embarrassed by by that. One guy looked and said. You talk about willingness to go to any length. I feel like if anybody's willing to go to any length, he is because, you know, he, he, he walked and hitchhiked in the rain in order to get here for this meeting and whatever else. And so the next time that it rained, just prior to a meeting, they showed up the door, knocked on my door. Had a, one of them had a cup of coffee in their hand. The other one, they said, hey, we're here to pick you up. They opened the back door up. I got in the back of the car. They took, I went off with them to the meeting. And it, it is funny you talk about that. It makes me think about, you know, because I got in recovery in Myrtle Beach and there were back then I remember there were there were three home groups. Yeah. There was um Hugs Not Drugs. There was a there was a uh, meeting at the Carolina it was kind of a it was weird, man. It was like a meeting but the 
the patients came there too at the yeah. trip you know and i don't even i don't even yeah. know if we should have been doing that but we we were and okay. then and then there was there was another group there new day yeah. and there so there were only three home groups and i'm gonna say this was in the late 80s when i first started coming around it's now known as the sun it was known as the sun city area then too and so um yeah there was probably about 15 people so if you weren't at the meeting where were you mm-hmm. and they would call you yeah are you yeah. all right yeah i mean you were like there were, there were 10 or 15 people right and if you were homeless like how can we help him i mean right. it was just it was this very very small community and i understand and that's why i was like, like where did NA go from from Greenville? It went to Asheville. It went yep, to, went to it, it, from it here. simultaneously. Some stuff was going on in Myrtle Beach. You were telling yep, me there was yep. a, a lady by the name of Polly. Yeah, and Polly had gotten in touch with Jimmy yep. K. Jimmy K. got in touch with Neil B. With you guys, yep. so to speak. Yeah, and. And I think she came out here to see what a what a meeting was like, run like or whatever. March of 1980, yep. Yep, March of 1980 came out here, and, and you know, all and simultaneously everything was kind of happening. And but but it's and it's funny that like those founding people, I don't remember Polly, right? But I remember a guy named Billy, right? I remember Absolutely. a guy named Andy A, right. and I remember a lady named Jude, yeah, and they were there they yeah. were they were there um when the same thing happened to me when i became like when i was sitting out in a parking lot and i got out of the car and this was october 21st 1990 i came in a while after ud but it was like um and i was getting and i, I was like i don't want to go back in there and tell these people you know that i've been i you know i've had a I've done it again, and, and I was getting ready to get back in the car. There's a guy by the name of Bill O. said, where are you going? But those were the people that were setting up the chairs for me. Right. Those were the people that handed me a cup of coffee. Though, when He was the one that walked in with me because I was not going back to that meeting. I was getting back in my car, and I was going to go kill myself. And, and, and the reason I know is because I just had this really peaceful feeling and that like, you know what, it's finally over. It's, it, this is the only way out for me. And, but it's funny how, when we, it, it, how you talked about when we became willing that God, like just the moon and the stars just lined up for us, man. You know what I mean? Right. And those people were there. And then when I came here in 92, you were here, you know, and, and it's just, you know, I mean, it's just amazing to talk about all this. And so it went to Myrtle Beach and then it went to Asheville. Yeah. And it went, uh, well, from us, uh, the guys from Asheville contacted World Service yeah. after Clean and Green had been here a year and World Service sent them to us. They came down to visit. Uh, that was Milton. Uh, B or whatever, uh, and uh, he came and uh, attended a cleaning green meeting. He had five years already in AA, and uh, wow. And he said, and I never forget that of the way he shared. He said, I uh, I have no problem with giving up five years of just uh, abstaining from alcohol 
in order to be uh, in order to practice complete abstinence. So instead of he said, I'm I'm throwing away my five year chip and I'm picking up a white one. Yeah, I remember there was a guy because there was always this controversy with AANA or whatever, and there was this guy that would say, "I'm here, I mean, I'm here at this meeting because I have a problem with drugs. I am a drug addict, you know." And it was like, I don't go to that other because I'm, yeah. you, you know, yeah. and say who that was, yeah. but he became a very, very uh, important person in my recovery and. Well, yeah. a guy that helped me out was a uh, was a guy in in, in AA. What I mean, like when we first got started, I didn't know nothing about it. When they said, uh, you know, a lot a lot of those, I mean, if you had any prior experience, you had to have it in AA because yeah. NA had not started yet. Right. And uh, they were, but there was, uh, uh, and 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 I said, wait a minute, what's this call now? And they said, I called Tom. I said, you're taking me to one for just how uh, <laughs> And it's like, I said, yeah. I said, this is weird. It's like. <laughs> I you I come into this and it's for everything and you're taking me one I'll call and said yeah and it's like and it's but, but there was a guy by the name of uh, Squire J and Squire was he was one of the the really old uh, uh, I mean he was uh, I I don't know he had not long after I got clean I think he celebrated like thirty years now so but anyways he was it was at, a, at, a, at an AA meeting and he's like and he he was the one that really. Help me. I mean, certainly. Uh, actually, I mean, we were we're staying outside, and Squire said, "D said, you know what? Said, do you really want NA to grow?" Uh, and I said, "Yes, absolutely. I do. I really want to see it grow. I want to see it." And I think that at that time they were only seventeen AA meetings in Greenville. I mean, that's jumped, not a lot. It jumped from I mean, seventeen right after I got <laughs> clean, where it jumped from seventeen to nineteen. And they were like, you know, so. But he goes. Uh, he said, "If you want NA to uh, uh, to grow, you're gonna have to to be there, or whatever." Yeah. And I said, "You're right." And I, but I had no way of getting around, and I was riding with these people today meetings. But my I, from uh, day one, my commitment because I come from the opposite direction. These other guys had already been exposed to other stuff prior to NA, and I understood that or whatever. But me, I had come in and found a home right off the bat at NA, and I didn't want to go nowhere else. Um, uh, but even though I liked, I really did like the people. I, you know, another. I mean, there were people. All our NA meetings were open meetings, and I met people from all different kinds of twelve-step uh, uh, fellowships that came to NA to see what it was about, whatever. And but he said, "Hey, look, you know, if you go, you need you got to support your own family before you help your neighbor, you know. And uh, so if you want if you want your family to grow, then you're gonna have to be there to feed yeah. them, you know." And uh, in order for to get that spiritual feeding, uh, uh, any anyone, I mean, uh, you know, you have an extreme shortage of people that's got any any time, you know, because you're just getting started here in Greenville, or whatever. So uh, you need to be there for the person, for the next person coming through the door. So, and I can't. I, I started to do this. I don't even know, like, how many meetings there are there are in the Carolina region now. Yeah. I, 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 there's no telling hundreds. Uh, I mean, I, I, I tried to even look at it. There's yeah. like, there's like, I, I can't. There's a bunch of areas underneath it, under underneath the Carolina region. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, you know, being able to work on the service structure was a big thing for us, or whatever. Being build up enough groups to form an area that was the next level, and then build up enough areas to form a region. But we done it backwards. We were one of the. Uh, uh, in order to uh, uh, be there for people who were contacting World Service that were in the Carolinas, we formed a region first. We were one of the earliest uh, regions. We were the eighth registered region in the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous. 
and we're, and we, the reason we done that, we're, it was kind of like a donut region, I call it, because we had the region, and then we filled the interior with with areas. And uh, there are twenty areas. Are I there? just kept. There are twenty. Can you imagine that uh, now? Yeah, it's been a while since like, I served on the region. I, 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 yeah, yeah, I know. I, I mean, but there no. There's twenty areas yeah no telling how many i don't even want to count the meetings underneath the regions and it started yeah with that meeting yeah at marshall pickens and d picked up a poker chip that he still got yeah and he's Um, still a big part of a whole lot of people's lives i don't think you sometimes I know you're getting older, man. We all are. We both are. But I don't think you realize. It's sometimes, and I don't think I realize. I mean, it's like, can you wrap your head around it sometimes? Like, when when you go to a convention or something, like, you you know, like you go to a convention in Asheville and you're like, oh, my God, there's hundreds of people here. And you go to a convention in Greenville and it it started (laughs) with that guy that came, like, 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 it all kind of started. It didn't all start with you. I get that. But it started right. with D, ask God for help. I wouldn't have picked up that white chip had somebody already been there for me. Been there. That there was someone there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who do you like remember? Neil, like, like Neil B, because Neil B had, uh, you know, uh, he had got clean in uh, NA in Atlanta in uh, 1972, I think it was. In NA or AA? Uh, uh, and uh, I think originally he came into AA and then he went into, uh, he was the ninth member of Narcotics Anonymous after they got started in Atlanta. In, in Atlanta, yeah. in which, it, which came here and um, from. And he'd been living here a while before they got started. He'd already been here. Yeah. And y'all started kind of meeting at his house and doing some stuff. And he too. done a meeting. He done meetings. It was the it was the first recovery community organization. 70, in the spring slash summer seventy eight, he done uh, NA meetings at his apartment, and uh, uh, there were other a lot of some of the other guys were professionals too that yeah uh, that the uh, you know that had had been going to AA or whatever, but they you know they had gone through they'd been exposed to NA and. and uh, and treatment in Atlanta, you know, like uh, like like Woody M and some of those guys, you know. So amazing. But I miss the intimacy. I mean, I love the growth of NA, but I really, in a lot of ways, I miss the intimacy as well that we had back. back I do. Then, yeah, it, it, it it D. It is. It's 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 so different now. But you know what? It's like Neil B says. It, these are the good old days. But it is so. Di- I mean, now we've got recovery community organizations and recovery housing and just yeah it, it, it's it it is different yeah. now but it reaches so many more people because not yeah. unfortunately not many people are just going to go hey i'm going to go to na or aa or whatever anonymous yeah. meeting right. you know so but yeah it's been um i'm glad we did this yeah we've been needing to do this just to have like like just to go through yeah. this yeah and um and i know um i know i love you and i appreciate you yeah and i love to talk to you yeah and you mean the world to me in so many ways yeah and uh i appreciate you doing this a lot today. of my a lot of my talking has been at conventions i spoke yeah. to a lot of different conventions wherever so this so this here is something new and different to me or whatever yeah yeah just sitting down and just talking but like, i've enjoyed it yeah <laughs> 
I've enjoyed it. <laughs> appreciate it. And um, appreciate everyone tuning in to the Recovery First podcast. We'll see you next week. Take us out, Todd, with Ask'em Studios.